a pool of water, a hopeless man, and a question. Grab your Bible and let's talk. Welcome to the Bible, Glitter, and Glue podcast, where Bible study and thought-provoking conversation lead to creative teaching. Now, here are your hosts, David and Mary Nelson. When I'm reading John chapter 5, and I'm reading about people going to a pool, it makes me think about life here in New Zealand. David, we're so blessed that we have a number of pools that we can go to. And here in New Zealand, that's a result of the thermal activity that's going on below the Earth's surface, and it produces these springs of water that are actually warm or sometimes even hot. But we can go down to Fernland Spa and go in the middle of winter when things are very cold. We can go down even at night and go step into that hot water. It feels so good. It's so relaxing. It's so relaxing and to feel the water and the scenery around the ferns. If it's a clear night, we can see the starry sky and it's just beautiful. Wonderful. But if you stop at the front desk in that spa, you can get a piece of paper that tells you all the minerals that are in that water. And there are a lot of people that go to those pools because the minerals help them in some way, and they see it as a healing thing. And that reminds me, like I said, of John chapter 5. People have been going to mineral pools for thousands of years. Some of them are hot, some of them are not. For therapeutic reasons, to be healed. And our story in John chapter 5, verses 1 through 15, takes place in Jerusalem around one of these pools. I need to say something about verse 3, the latter part of verse 3 and verse 4. Because in my Bible, that translation I have, these verses are in brackets. And you may have the same thing, or you may have a footnote about these verses here that says something like, the oldest and best manuscripts omit these verses. And that's because the oldest and best manuscripts actually do not have the latter part of verse 3. And then in verse 4, which reads, And they waited for the water to move. Sometimes an angel of the Lord came down to the pool and stirred up the water. And after the angel did this, the first person to go into the pool was healed from any sickness that he had. And so these verses were added later in the uh, copying of these manuscripts, but they weren't part of John's original writing. But they do reflect an ancient understanding or a belief about why, what's going on at this pool here. And we see the man here in verse 7 that is healed a little bit later. He, he kind of reflects this idea that this belief that an angel comes and stirs up the water, and if the first person in will be healed. So these verses actually kind of give an explanation, but they're not part of, of the original Gospel of John. Thanks for bringing that up, David, because that gives me confidence to know the careful scholarship behind the writing of these translations of the Bible, and just to get that right. And over time, more manuscripts have been discovered, so we get additional information. So that's great. But either way, whether that verse was in there or not, doesn't change the story. No. This takes place in Jerusalem on a special feast day. Now, there were three great feast days in the in the calendar year for the Jews that they were kind of required to go to Jerusalem to participate in. Passover, the Feast of Tabernacles, and Pentecost. So it was one of these feasts, uh, probably. 
It says in Jerusalem there was a pool with five covered porches. So it was a fairly large pool called Bethzatha. Some translations say Bethesda, others say Bethsaida. This is near the Sheep Gate. And the Sheep Gate is on the northern side of the temple. And that's where this was. Now, the pool here is not connected with the temple. It was just near the temple on the north side. So these were not the temple crowd. These were just other people at this place that were hoping to be healed by these waters. Exactly. Because it says many sick people were lying on the porches beside the pool. And some of these were blind and some were crippled and some were paralyzed. So there was lots of people. There was a man in verse 5. He's not named, but of all these people here, the story focuses on this man. He was lying there, and he had been sick for a very long time. It says for 38 years. It may be from birth, it doesn't say, or for the last 38 years of his life. But by this time, his leg muscles would have atrophied, and he would not have been able to walk. But in walks Jesus, and out of all these people, Jesus sees this man in verse 6. And Jesus knew that he had been sick for a long time. And so he asked him the question, do you want to be well? What an unusual question. Do you want to be well? In the middle of all of these people that are here at the pool to find healing. And he asked that question. In my imagination, David, I am hearing Jesus say, do you want to be healed. Because in the following verses, the man doesn't say, yes, I want to be healed. Instead, he just outlines how hopeless his situation is. He doesn't even see Jesus as an opportunity to get better. He's just saying, no, you you don't realize things are bad. He says, I try to get to the water, but there's no one to help me there. You know, he's feeling alone. He says, I can't get there first. He must have seen this happen and play out over and over many times. He's never first. And he's just feeling hopeless and helpless, alone, and then defeated. What a terrible place to be emotionally. Sad. It is Mm. sad. And, And so believable, because I think there's part of all of us that have been there in a way, that feeling of hopelessness. When we're in that place, sometimes we get so used to things going badly that we forget we can hope for the better. And it seems like this man had just forgotten that things could be better. But everything changed for this man in a moment. Jesus let him give his spill about his hopeless, helpless situation. And Jesus says, stand up, pick up your mat and walk. And immediately the man was well. He picked up his mat and he began to walk. What an amazing thing. Who would not be happy to see this man walking, this man that had been unable to walk. And now here he is holding his mat, standing up, walking. But there are some people that are not happy. They're not happy because the day that all this happened was a Sabbath day. And so the Jews see this man carrying his bed, which to them was work. And of course, they were not to work on the Sabbath. So they see him breaking the Sabbath. That was a serious offense. 
And so they asked him, hey, it's not lawful for you to carry your mat. And the man said, well, this man told me to pick up my mat and walk. And he said, well, who was he? And he says, I don't even know. I don't know his name. So they kind of skip over the whole part about he healed me. Isn't that amazing? Sometimes we get so nitpicky about the little things, we forget the big things. All they could think about was, wait a minute, this rule, which was actually not in the Bible, not in the law. This was just kind of one of their rules. They had taken strictly and sort of taken it really far. Jesus told this man to pick up his mat. He wasn't saying break the law even. No. The man didn't know Jesus's name. He didn't even know Jesus because after his healing, Jesus must have slipped away. Somehow the man didn't follow him. I guess he was so concentrated on his healing. Others did. Others that had been healed by Jesus wanted to know more about him. But this man seems to just be within his own mind, thinking about what had just happened, talking to the Jews. So when they ask him, he really doesn't even know Jesus' name. He doesn't. But later Jesus found him, in verse 14, at the temple. Jesus may have been looking for him, but Jesus finds him, and he says to him, see, you're well now, but stop sinning, or something worse may happen to you. It seems to me that this man's life was changed by Jesus, but he wasn't really living into that changed life. And so Jesus warns him. Jesus is concerned with our whole life, not just our physical life, but our whole being. So I would look at that and I'd say, he was hopeless before, but now he needs to really think where to focus that hope. That's right. He needs to live into that hope. So the man leaves and he goes back to the Jews. And this time he tells them it was Jesus, the one who made him well. So he does find out the name of Jesus. Our story stops there. The man was healed. But this is a bit of a turning point, I think. And later, as you read the Bible, you'll find this was a turning point. The Jews are getting very angry at Jesus, and they take this even further. But for this day, there was a man that was hopeless, and he was healed. David, in teaching adults... What kind of things would you want them to get out of these verses? There's a couple of things that come to mind. First one is this. I do think it's worth thinking about when Jesus asks this man, do you want to be made well? I think it's worth discussing in class. What did Jesus mean by that? The implication of that question that Jesus was intending for this man to become his follower But I think maybe a more applicable question related to our conversation is think back to a time when you felt hopeless. You don't have to discuss it with anyone. You can just have a sheet of paper and just write this down, a time when you felt hopeless. Talk about or write down how you felt, what was going on in your life at that time. And then now looking back, given what you know now and what you know about God now, what would you say, or what would you write to yourself back then? What would you say to that person that you were back then that felt hopeless? Man, one of my first thing would be, you will make it. The fact that I'm writing back to myself says, you know, I made it through that time. Like as a follow-up to that, just write down some scriptures that talk about hope. Look up scriptures about hope in the Bible. Now, I'm going to put some scriptures down in the show notes, But a few that I have here, 
I have Psalm 62, verses 5 through 6. I wait patiently for God to save me. Only He gives hope. He is my rock who saves me. He protects me like a strong walled city. I will not be defeated. Other verses to look up would be Isaiah chapter 40, verse 31. And I've got other verses. I like this one in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 10. For this is why we work and struggle. We hope in the living God. He is the Savior of all people. And in a very special way, He is the Savior of all who believe in Him. There's hope. There's hope. There's some good verses on hope. And there are quite a few more on hope. Now, for a children's class, I think I would want to explain hope. We may even, for older children, we may even look that up in the dictionary. Hope involves words like expectation and a desire for something to happen. In a biblical sense, hope is a lot about trust. I'm hoping not just in things or hoping in a timeline. I'm actually hoping in God because I know God holds my future and He will take care of that. So that hope is about trusting in God. I think that's really important, and it's a an important thing for children to understand. I think that's when I'd actually take the time to maybe do some artwork. Art is a way of expressing our feelings. So maybe I would print out one of those verses that I just read on a piece of paper and let the children draw, color, paint around that, maybe illustrate that verse. I might even just write the word hope (laughs) or have the children write the word hope and Mm -hmm. decorate that because it's a simple thing, the artwork Yes, it's creative, but it's also the conversation that is going on while they're doing it and the thought process. So I'd be using that to really get that idea of hope in their minds. Okay, that's good. Because we live in New Zealand, I think this deserves a trip to the hot pools. (laughs) We might have to do that. (laughs) Take the class to the hot pools. Yeah, maybe or... I don't know if you happen to be familiar with Alka-Seltzer, a little effervescent tablet that you put in water so that it can help indigestion, things like that. But, you know, it just bubbles up really neat. So I think I might use that in class as I'm telling the story. We might pour some water into a pan and that be the hot pool or, or that be the pool and put one of those tablets in there and let that water bubble up. And I think that'd be a fun experience. I think the kids would have a lot of fun with that. For the adults, there is, we'll provide this in the show notes, but there is a link to a website that has pictures and illustrations of this pool that they have dug up. In fact, it was dug up back in the late 1800s. You can go to this pool today in Jerusalem. It's an archaeological site just north of uh, where the temple once stood. And they have pictures there on this website that gives you, you what it looks like. And there's also illustrations to show you where it was situated in relation to the temple in in Jerusalem itself. That is so helpful. You shared that site with me, and I looked that up. And I think if you're teaching, that would be a good thing to look at just to get that background information. Helps me visualize. But, you know, one thing, David, I think I forgot to do earlier. I did want to do something when I'm preparing for a class. I, I write a lesson plan, but I write down an outline of what the Bible says. So I, I did outline this passage, 
So it's John chapter 5, verses 1 through 15. In verses 1 through 5, that's just about the pool. It tells why the people are there and about that pool. And then in verses 5 through the beginning of verse 9, that's just the encounter and the healing of this man. And then lastly, from verses 9 or the second part of verse 9 through verse 15, that's this sort of conversation and this sort of comparison between the pious and the personal. These Jews that were all about the piety, but it was Jesus who was all about getting right to the heart of the matter. So I just called that pious and personal. Mm, That's good. So I always write that outline down. And then I get to the glitter, and I talk about the fun things we'll do in class. So I hope these verses today, this idea of a man who was hopeless and, and was given new hope, it's always my hope that the Bible will lead us and guide us into a better understanding of God, and then that leads us into a, being a better teacher. And I would like to leave you with a verse today. I pray that the God who gives hope will fill you with much joy and peace while you trust in Him. Then your hope will overflow by the power of the Holy Spirit. And that's Romans chapter 15, verse 13. And may God bless you as you continue to speak into the lives of children. Thank you for listening to the Bible Glitter and Glue podcast. Subscribe now to listen to new weekly episodes and visit missionbibleclass.org for more free resources to help you share God's Word with children.